can, we can bring this thing home if we just kind of live out this vision that God has given us. We can, we can really be useful for the kingdom of God and really bring kingdom transformation here in Henderson County if we just kind of narrow our focus and get, get really intentional on what it is that we're here to call to do and why we're doing it and let go of some of the non-essentials. Whoever was in our leadership class kind of got that lesson, letting go of the non-essentials because sometimes we just, we just do stuff to do stuff and it's really not important. It doesn't have a whole lot of kingdom value to it overall. But in leadership, there's actually a law of significance, which says one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Not even Jesus did it by himself. And a lot of times we want to protect ourselves by saying, well, Jesus was alone. No, he wasn't. He chose to do it through 12, and he even knew one of them was going to fail. We can't do this thing alone. Uh, Isaiah 60, says this, A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Listen, don't, go, don't get overwhelmed because you don't, it's not, whatever's happening in your life is not this big thing. If you'll just be, be faithful with the little thing that God has given you, he will be quick to hasten it. He's about stewardship. He's about relationship. He's about strengthening you right where you are. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get overwhelmed. He's about strengthening you right where you are. Be with him. Spend time in his presence because it glorifies God when, we, when the world sees us working together. In fact, that's how the world will know we are his disciples. That's how they know. We, love, we have love for one another. We're serving one another. And that was, the, that was the, the verse, Isaiah 60, 21. It says that it actually glorifies God to see us working together and serving together. It glorifies him. Why? Because we're carrying his heart into everything that we're doing. We're talking about introducing Jesus today. And when we talk about introducing Jesus, I'm talking about the real Jesus Talking about introducing Jesus, we got to introduce Jesus to the lost. There's a, there is a lost and hurting world. There's an unchurched and hurting world. Maybe they're, maybe they're still lost. Maybe they've come to know God at one time, or, or at least they came to church at some point, but they're no longer there. Listen, they're hurting. They're hurting. That's why we're here. But we have to preach Christ to the unchurched. We have to pastor them. We have to disciple them. And then we have to present them fully mature. And you know who that starts with? It starts with us. It starts with each individual right here. We have, to, we have to be intentional on building ourselves up so that we can turn in turn receive discipleship, but then begin to disciple others as well and to present ourselves and present others fully mature. Look at first, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 28, 29. It says this, he is, the one, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present Everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We exist. We literally exist to serve others. From, from introducing Jesus to presenting them fully, fully mature in Christ, there's a lot of work. There's, about, there's several layers of discipleship that we have to be able to go through and we have to instill. But it all begins with love foremost above all things is love itself. If we're, not, if we're not leading everything we do with love, well, we're just getting ready to hurt somebody. But then, he, then Paul says comes the admonition. We've got to admonish a little bit. That means to give direction, redirect, or even warn in teaching. We've got, to, we've got to get some instructions. You know what, even better, we just need to train. We just need to slow down, spend some time with people, and just do some life-on-life training. We all need a little bit of training. I know as, as we get older, we get tired. Of, we, get, we don't go to school continually throughout our life because we don't like to have to research everything and figure out how to do stuff through literature and books. 
No, we should. We sure do lean towards, just give me a visual example, give me a flow chart, just show me what I need to do, and I'll do that thing. Sometimes we just need somebody, somebody just needs us to come along their life and do a little bit of life on life with them and show them, here's what Jesus looks like, and I'm going to let you see him in my life. That, that's really what people are hungry for. But in order to do this, we can't be soulish. We can't be soulish. We got to be led by the Spirit. Because if we're soulish, then they're just going to get a whole lot of me, and I'm not going to be able to set them free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But where the soul of Nathan is, mm-mm, ain't a whole lot. That's why I got to make sure my, my soul is surrendered to my spirit. And my spirit is surrendered to the Spirit of God. One thing I didn't mention last week is this. If you, pay, if you stop paying attention to your soul and your flesh, guess what? They're going to well up. They're going to demand attention. You stop paying attention to your spirit, it's going to shrink. That's why we have to be so intentional on feeding our spirit with the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word, because when we feed our spirit, the soul can't help but to come under the Spirit of God. And the soul can't help to be confronted by your spirit because your spirit is being cleansed by the Holy Spirit. And then the temple of God, your body starts to get in line because it's just a slave to either your soul or your spirit. You get to decide who's going to lead your body. And that's exactly how it works. So we've got to be so intentional on being spirit-fed and spirit-led in everything that we do, otherwise, the world's just going to get a bunch of soul. I want to bring out the Soul Train video again right about now, but we're not going to do it. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says this. I keep, this is Paul in Ephesians, writing to the Ephesians. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Boy, he just, I just pray the same thing, that God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And boy, when this happened, your soul starts to feel lighter. Everybody that went through whole last week came into worship. All of a sudden, your soul just feel, feels lighter. Why? Because your, your spirit has been enlightened. And when your spirit is enlightened with wisdom and revelation, in fact, the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, your soul just starts to relent to the things of the spirit, and it just feels light on your feet. If you've ever received prayer and somebody laid hands on you, all of a sudden, oh, I just feel like weight has fallen off of me. Yes, because your soul relented for a little bit and you got focused on what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's what this life is really about when we're walking with Jesus. It should be us completely intentional and understanding and surrendered and coming under what the Holy Spirit of God is, does and says according to his word. Boy, when we can do some things. But it says this, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and glorious inheritance in his holy people. Did you get that? The riches of his inheritance are in his people. Let that sit for a second. Because some of us want the inheritance. We want favor. We want blessings. But he's saying, if you want it, you've got to go get it inside of my people. You've got to start doing some life-on-life discipleship stuff because what I want for them and I want for you is going to come from you blessing them with everything that you got, everything that's inside of you. But you've got to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit so they're not getting soul. They're getting spirit-fed. They're being spirit-led. And the both of you are growing in the Spirit. And when that starts to happen, I know that I can trust you from a father to a son with everything that you need to go into the next season and the next season. Now I know I can trust you because you love people and I can pour out blessings in Whatever that season is necessary. Whew. I know it's a lot. 
But this happens when we actually meet the real Jesus. You and I first need to meet the real Jesus. Some of us haven't met the real Jesus. And then we got to be able to hand over and introduce the, the people to the real Jesus, the unchurched, the lost, the, the wounded, the church, the, the hurting, the people who just, the soulish. they got to be able to see the real Jesus. And that's part of our vision statement is introducing Jesus. Not the religious Jesus, but the good steward, the good steward, the relational Jesus. There's a huge difference between the religious Jesus that lives according to a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts, you have to, and punishment. That's the one that, because we didn't know how to operate in the Spirit, the church just began to create a bunch of religion and rules and hold people down. But the Jesus that's a good steward and a good relation is all about relationship. He's one who finds people right where they are and then begins to find a way to lift them up into everything that he's called and created them to be. And it comes through helping them to see good stewardship, principles, standards, but also it's got to be through love. Boy, if I don't love them, I can't speak to them. And boy, if I don't love them, they're going to shut down right now and they're just going to sit there and they're going to wonder why they're not getting fed. We got to love them. Introducing Jesus, finding freedom, connecting to purpose, making a difference. Those four things, world-changing right there. Introducing Jesus, finding freedom. Every one of us need to find freedom. Boy, I need more freedom all the time. I'm running into stuff all the time. I, I catch myself, whoa, where'd that come from? I need to talk, like, Lord, Lord, we need to talk about that. Where, I need to go to your word. I need to hear from you a little bit. That, that's not who I am. You can say that. That's not who you are because it's not who you are. Who you are is who he says you are in Christ Jesus. And that way you can, you can go ahead and declare. You don't have to sit here and hold on and say, oh, man, I'm doing this. I, I'm so bad about this. I'm, no, you're not. That's not who you are. Who you are is who he says you are. And you are a son. You are a daughter. You are everything. Whenever he looks down, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. And we just got to come under that and begin to understand it. Not with a haughty spirit, but a humble spirit. When we have a humble spirit, he can lift us up. Because he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Whew, you go in there haughty, no problem. I'll oppose you until you decide you want to be humbled. And when you get humbled, I'll lift you up. Yeah. Number, number one thing we do to fulfill the vision here of Thrive is this. It, it's the weekend services. It's the weekend services. Introducing Jesus. When we're talking about introducing Jesus, man, we come in. This is what we do. Boy, I hope, I hope every person that comes in here gets to experience the real Jesus. I hope when they come through, even on the parking lot, they start to walk in. There's people just greeting them, saying, hey, how you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Maybe giving them a hug, a high five, walking them in, allowing them to come in to the, to the kids' room, getting checked in to the kids, dropping their kids off, and they're, they're able to trust our people, and they're walking them over to our kids' classroom. The hospitality's got it just popping out there because we're just here to serve and give, and his kingdom is about generosity and about giving, and you only get to keep what you give away. That'll mess with you. You only get to keep what you give away. The, re the revelation, though, we must grasp is this. If we're going to be to fulfill the gospel, we've got to realize that the unchurched are our primary concern. They're our primary purpose. You mean you don't come in? We don't come in to church to serve me? No. You know we come in. The saint, when the saints go marching in, Oh, when the saints go, there we go. We come in to serve the lost. We come in. It's like, okay, it's Sunday. I'm suited up. I'm going to wear my, t -shirt, my Thrive t-shirt or whatever it is. I'm coming in because I'm believing that the Lord is going to bring the lost here, and I'm going to serve them. The Lord is bringing the hurting and the wounded in here, and I'm going to serve them. The, word, the Lord is bringing people who have been bound up for generations, and I'm going to serve them. I'm coming here to love them. I'm not going to church so I can sit down and just be fed. 
There may be a season for that, but I'm telling you it won't be long because if you carry the heart of God, you're going to get up and you're going to start serving somebody because that is the heart of God is to serve somebody. The old church model says everybody come in and tell, let the preacher tell you what to do and then you go home and have a good lunch. That don't work. That's not even biblical. You can't even find that anywhere in the scriptures. I don't even know what happened. Somewhere along the way, some, some pastors got so confident and so proud that they decided they were going to make people dependents rather than disciples. And we're here to make disciples and not dependents. As soon as you start coming to me, I'm going to try to lead you to Jesus because he's got all the answers. And I'm going to give you as much as I can to get you there. I'm going to reroute you back to Jesus. I'm going to reroute you back to the Word. I'm going to reroute you back to him. But I'm going to reroute you back to the Holy Spirit because he's the one that can fulfill all your dreams, all your destinies. I'll give you all the answers, and he's the one that brings freedom. Boy, this is really good. Uh, First John, let me get... <laughs> Let's look at the model set by the head of the church himself, Jesus. Because if our church don't look like him, we got some issues. John 1, 35 40 through 42, talking about the first disciples. In verse 35 says, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Now John had his disciples. This was John's disciples. He was introducing, waiting for Jesus to come. He knew Jesus was coming at some point, didn't know when. And at this moment, he says, And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the door opens. There will be, he says, says, the two disciples, the Lamb of God has entered. The two disciples heard him speak. Hallelujah. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They go, oh, that's the Lamb of God? I'm going to start going over there. See you, John. I'm good. That's the one that John's been telling me about for so long, and now that I get to see him and lay my eyes on him for my own, I'm going that direction. And there will be times when people will come into your life, and their whole purpose is to be a transference from what you are doing in one season of life into everything that God has called you to do and into the presence of Jesus. There's going to be people that are just purposed for transference. Can you hear me? There's people, there's people you're sitting around who are just purposed for transference to transfer, into, transfer you into the presence of Jesus, into the knowledge of Jesus. There's people who will, you may be people who are going out into the world and being a transference to bring people into the church so that they can meet the real Jesus, not a religious Jesus, because that's part of the problem. A lot of people don't come to church. They've met religious Jesus over and over, and they don't really know that there is a real Jesus, so they just kind of came under the religious Jesus, and they think they're saved. They think they're saved. Billy Graham, before he died, said 80% of the church is unsaved. It comes with some authority when Billy Graham says it. <laughs> Nathan says it doesn't matter. You know, and Nathan says <laughs> 80% of the church, that, that means nothing. But it says this. Then verse 38, Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, What do you seek? What do you seek? Which is a great question when you see people longing for something because usually they have no idea what they're looking for and you can see it all over them. You're in the world and you see it. You see they're lost and that is an invitation. What is it that you seek? Or they've realized that the very thing that they have that they thought was fulfilling, it's no longer fulfilling and you can see it all over them too because they're dead and they're empty. Their their, their soul is just dry. And it's an invitation that the Holy Spirit is giving you indicators saying, this person needs your help. Will you just be a vessel of transference to lead this person to me? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is giving you. He's not giving it to you to judge and say, hey, boy, that person's messed up. I'm walking away. 
if we're going to be the body of Christ, then we got to kind of live according to the way Christ lived. If we're going to be followers of Christ, then we got to go the direction that Christ is going. And that means in the way he went, we better be walking as well. And so if somebody's walking up to us and they're wondering, what is it that you seek? They're looking lost. What is it that you seek? Who is it that you seek? They, then they said to him, Rabbi, translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, well, come and see. They came and saw, that he, uh, saw where he was staying and remained with them that day. Now about the 10th hour, that was now about the 10th hour. Now, now believers and seasoned believers are like, they just need somebody to connect with them. We just need somebody to connect with. That, where are you going? Well, come and see. Sometimes we just have to slow down and say, hey, won't you enter in my life a little bit? How about, you know, they're curious. They're wondering, how do you do this thing? Why don't we start spending some time together? Why don't we do life on life for a little bit? Why don't we just, why don't we just start opening our hearts and, and, and take off the mask and start really getting real with one another a little bit? Why don't we see what's going on in both of our souls and see if God can help us, see if God can be able to work on, on both of us? Why don't we just get a little real? That's what he's saying. And discipleship is just that, the result of someone inviting you into their lives or you inviting someone into your life. And when that happens, discipleship really starts to happen. It starts to take place. Now this person, their, their walls start to fall down, and they're looking into you to say, hey, what's going on with you? How are you pointing your life back to Jesus, and how are you admitting your faults? How are you still trying to overcome and realize, I'm trying to overcome these things and being real, because whenever that happens, boy, there's connection. And when connection happens, discipleship starts to increase, and people's lives start to change, and chains start to fall off. Verse 40 says this, one of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. One of the ones, that was Andrew. That was the first disciple, he said Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother. Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, translated Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So Jesus, being, being the, the head of the church, he invited these two new believers into his life. Hey, won't you just come into my life a little bit? And not long after that, what did they do? They turned around and they go looking for others to bring into the situation. So whenever we start discipling somebody, they want the very same thing for them. Whenever people start coming into a healthy church that's truly introducing Jesus, people want to go and find other people and say, hey, you need to come experience this. This is a real thing. This is the real deal. This is what's really going on. But hey, here's the deal. We've got to be real. We've got to be genuine. We've got to be authentic. We've got to make sure our masks are taken off. We've got to be the ones that God can really do the work and start laying that healthy foundation, that strong foundation. God's got to be able to do a work right here first. Nobody wants to come to anything fake, pretentious. I, don't, I won't be a part of a church that's pretentious. I won't. It ain't going to happen. You know my junk. You know God's healing me. You, got, you know God has healed me. I can walk this thing out. We can walk this thing out together. But I can't do it if I'm walking around haughty because God is opposing me already, and he's just waiting for me to be humble so then he can lift me up, right? There we go. Notice how the influence of, of, of others, they went seeking within their own sphere of influence. And you have that. You have family, closest friends, associates, members of your organization, people, people who are work 
work around you or you, you frequently work with. You go through places of business, of commerce, and you're frequently uh, checking out the same cash register with the woman in Walmart or Brookshire's or whatever it is. Those are moments. Those are moments. Maybe it's the person right beside you in church. Those are moments that God has given you. Jesus used this idea of gathering people together to build people up. He always gathered them together to build them up. And here's the decision. The decision we have to make is to resist the gravitational pull to create church just for us. And boy, churchy people want to do that. Let's go in and have a club called church. Let's just go out and hang out. You know, this is where we go and we do our coffee and, our, our coffee and donuts on Sunday morning. We go do Tuesday night out here and we go do this there. No. That's not what church is. What happens is, though, we want to create comfort because we're all about comfort. If it, is it comfortable for me? We want to create comfort for me so that, one, I have a place and it's going, it goes in, it's made, I've made it safe. I feel safe in there now, which we all should do. But then what happens is, how can this place just serve me and bless me? And how can we do it all about how I want this thing to be done for me? And somewhere in there... There's got to be a moment of it, but it's got to switch really quick because when we get the heart of God, we start realizing, how can I come in and do this thing for the lost, the hurting, the wounded, and the broken down? Because I'm pretty sure that Jesus went after the bruised. And if Jesus is the head of the church and we are his bride and his body, we might ought to be doing things for the broken, the bruised, and the bound up. It might be that we come in and do a thing that's really not even for us. It might be that we actually be generous and we actually start giving the very thing away that we really would love for ourselves. It might be that we stop, stop getting upset whenever God blesses somebody else for the very things that we're praying for. And it might just be that God is blessing the people around you over the thing that you're praying for for yourself so he can see your heart, so he can see, see where you're at, so you can begin to grow and say, hey, hey, if you start celebrating for what they get, then you're going to start getting your blessings. It might be if we start positioning ourselves for the loss and the hurting, he might start even bringing even more healing and more freedom and more favor in our own lives, but we got to let go of some things so he, we can get exactly the thing that we need from him. Yeah. Look at this. In research, we were at Gateway last week, and they were showing us over decades of research. Uh, with a, started with a, a pastor, executive pastor out of Willow Creek uh, in Chicago, and actually a Nike, a, a, an exec that helped start Nike and make Nike what it is. And so they did a lot of testings, a lot of strategic planning, and, and what they found was after a lot of polling and questioning, etc., came down to one question where they found out where the, where, where the church was in general. Then they started doing this to thousands of churches, and they found similarities. This church is actually in four groups. Everybody in the church is in these four groups. However, in all four of these groups, there's six elements. There's six elements, six steps within this that kind of create a little bit of variety within each group. And first group is this, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Jesus. <laughs> the world loves God. But don't start talking about Jesus. You shut them down real quick. They, the walls come up. My faith is not a significant part of my life. You know, most of the church is right there. And, and nationally, that's where mo they found that most of the church is. Then this, group two is this. I believe in Jesus, and I'm working on what it means to know God, uh, know to get to know him. I believe in Jesus, and I'm and working on what it means to get to know him. And in fact, most of the church in general in the South is at this 1.5 level, is between one and two. I want you to think about that. I want you to, think about, I want you to just analyze your life. 
Where am I in this scale right here? Group three, I feel really close to Jesus and depend on him daily for guidance. Group four, there wasn't a whole lot in group four. My relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. It guides everything that I do. Weren't many people in four. These are the people that they don't care about anything. They don't care what happens. They're serving. They're giving. They're generous. They love others. They've become love. They don't care about the problems, the pain, the, the, the little stuff in between because they realize it ain't about me anyway. I've just become a vessel that God is using for his glory, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to withstand it. I'm going to go through it because it ain't about me. It can't stick to my soul because my soul is surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. And if it's God doing it, I'm going to take it. I'm going to allow him to do the work because if I start to rise up and get a little heated, then it must be that God wants to do some work in me. That's that fully mature. He said we got to admonish, teach, lift up, love, and present them fully mature. We, we've got to be admonished, we've got to be taught, trained, instruction. We need to get into it ourselves, get in the Word ourselves, and we need to present ourselves fully mature. You know what? I don't care what anybody else has to say. It's not haughty. It's humble. I don't care what they think. I'm going to go after Jesus with everything. I don't care if it's, it's risky and I, don't, I can't logically understand what he's asking me to do. If he says do it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do that. And anything in between, I'm going to allow God to work on my soul. That's what walking out with Jesus really looks like. It's not a bunch of people coming to church and doing religious things and thinking about themselves and not becoming the saints that he calls us to be. I know I'm messing with your religion. I can feel it in your heart. I can feel the tension in my soul right here like, oh, I know I'm messing with it. But that's why we do what we do here at Thrive Community Church. And here's the scale on that. 40% of everything we do is the weekend service. That's how we introduce Jesus. The main way we introduce Jesus is this right here. We come in, we worship, we have amazing hospitality, great people, just loving people. Why? Because God is doing a work in their heart, doing a work in my heart, doing a work in our hearts together. But that's not it. And unfortunately, most of the church, a lot of the church rather, not in this church, because you guys have really caught the vision of Thrive Community Church. A lot of them just get stuck right here. I'm coming in on Sunday and I'm going out and going to get my lunch. Cotton patch is going to fill up, so I need to get there fast. And then tribes. Then tribes, you want to go to that next step. You know what? Oh, I, so we can't do this all, all this wild stuff in church like we used to do. And it was all about that, that 11 a.m. church service where people just, it, it might last till 3. And it was just completely Holy Spirit filled. Oh, hallelujah. That's wonderful. I grew up in that and I loved it. However, the lost can't stand it. And that's why they don't come to church. But we can go a little bit deeper. We start to get into small groups a little bit. We start to get into tribes. Now we can start doing some really relational stuff. We can go a little bit deeper. We got whole like we did last weekend. We do twice a year. Now we can really start to let that thing come open and let the Holy Spirit begin to work on our hearts. And we still, there we start to get a little, even a little bit more free. And then, you know what? I don't think this thing's really about me after all. Then I start going to equip track and I realize I catch the vision of what Thrive is really doing and what God has really created me for. Then all of a sudden, it's not about me. This is about other people. Oh, oh, my goodness. Red light, green light. It's coming on. They're coming on. I'm, now, now I'm going to go start serving. Now I'm going to join that go team. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get start doing some things. I'm going to serve in the church. I'm going to serve outside of the church. I'm actually going to be a saint. I'm actually going to live up to what God is declaring over me throughout his scripture. Not because I'm so good. It's because he's so good. 
And the closer we get to him, we realize how messed up we really are. But yet he truly is faithful beyond that. And he wants to use us beyond that. And I can become even more humble because he lifts me up even more when I do. Acts 2, Acts 2 46 and 47 says this. So continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they came to church and breaking bread from house to house. Then they went into small groups. They came in the church and then they go meet in small groups. They came in the church, and they realized that ain't enough. I'm going to go meet in small groups. They came in the church. They said, well, we can probably invite our friends to small groups. They may come to small groups, but they may not come to the church yet. And they went to eat in small groups. Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Can we just be simple for a little bit? Can we just let our walls down and just say, you know what, let's just talk about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do a work in our heart and make this thing uncomplicated a little bit. And the, and the Lord added to the church daily. Pray, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. We want favor, but we don't want to do what the Word says that we're in order to have favor. And we're having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, the Lord might be up to something in that. He might be up to something. If I can just get relational, I realize I, when I come into the temple, when I come into the church, it, it really isn't about me, but it's really about the lost and trying to get the lost into the church so we can corporately love on them and then say, hey, would you like to go into our home? Would you like to go join the tribe with us? Boy, I'm going to do life with you for a little bit. Can we do life together? The church is still one of the few organizations that exist for the sake of its non-members. You get that? We don't exist for us. We actually exist for the people who don't come here. We exist for the people who we walk by in Walmart, in, park, in, in Brookshire's parking lot, at the chamber meeting, at the city hall, wherever it is that we go, we exist for them. But our gravitational pull is to make this thing for us, and it's not for us. If my business is for them, and half of my business, half of my commerce, half of, my, half of the income is out there. And if I knew that, and if this was a business plan and it was your business, you would do everything in your mind to create a strategic plan to go get them, wouldn't you? Do you know God has designed you for that very purpose, for his kingdom, for his people, because they are his preciousness? It's time to start thinking of a strategic plan to get his commerce into his place so that we can bring healing to his people, his preciousness, so maybe when we start taking care of his stuff, he'll start taking care of ours. Oh, man. The church is here to build up and equip its members, sure. But the whole purpose of us being come in and building up is so that we can go out and strengthen its non-members and bring its non-members into the fold and strengthen them and build them up as well. How do we do it? We have Equip Track next week. We have Equip Track next week, immediately following the second service. Be a part of that right there. Hey, we're going we're gonna to start developing you right there. We're going to get you in the game. We have Tribes start next week. You can sign up today right there in the tent that you walk through. Join a Thrive Tribe. That's our small groups, community groups, cell groups, whatever you want to call it. We just call it tribes. It's our jargon. Doesn't matter. But the, what matters is, is getting into a group, coming into the church, worshiping together, then going and breaking bread and celebrating the Lord and glorifying, glorifying God with a simplicity of heart and then watching yourself, your friends, and the church grow. 
Otherwise, we're just doing 40% of what the church is even here for. We've got to create services that the lost people love to attend. We've, we've got to create this, this whole thing. If the lost don't love to come here, we're never going to fulfill the purpose of us even being here. Wow. We need a fresh air culture. We've got to have a fresh air culture. And there's, there's got to be vision alignment with it. Everything that we do is strategically planned to fulfill the vision that I've given you. Introducing Jesus, finding freedom, connecting to purpose, making a difference. Everything that we do is geared towards that. We, put, we, we are good stewards of God's resources, and we put everything we have in that direction. Look at this. Acts 15, 19 says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for them to come on in and start turning to God. We should not make it uncomfortable for the lost to come in. We should not make it difficult. God only honors. We are strategic about everything. God only honors the vision of, that he's given the leadership in that house. Boy, things start to get frustrating when it gets outside of the vision. We start just doing wild things and random things. Everybody starts to go on, on their own direction. That's called division. Die meaning two. There's two visions. People are going every, every other place. When we try to, try to walk in something, other, we try to walk into something that it's not yet our time to walk in. Things get really frustrating, not only for ourselves, but everybody around us. It gets really awkward. Four times this week, four times this week, through, through three different people, God has spoken a word in, into our lives as a church. One, I'm not even ready to release yet. I'm just waiting for it to marinate and let it be, let it become, let it strengthen. But I'm telling you, if, if God is using three different people in three different cities to say one word, there's something powerful happening right here, and it has to do with the vision that God has given Thrive Community Church right here and where he's positioning us in the city. Well, we got to get it. Things are bigger than us. we got to have cohesive teams and tribes as well, and it takes humility and humble and willing hearts to get there. Souls that reflect the heart of God and his leadership. Bill Johnson says this. There's a new book, The Way of, the Way of Life. He's one of the authors that I read. I love it, The Way of Life. And he says this. He says, he says, I don't elevate anyone into leadership until I know they carry my heart, the church's heart, and Jesus' heart. There is well-meaning people that come into a church who say they love Jesus and they destroy the church because it's not ran the way they want it to be run. But they love Jesus. How can you love Jesus and not love his house? Can you hear me? If they don't love me, if they don't love our leadership, if they don't love the vision of Thrive Community Church, and they don't love Jesus, truly love Jesus, it's not ready. It's not time. And that's something we have to carry in all of our hearts, checking all of our hearts, testing all of our hearts. Where am I? What, what am I doing? Cohesive teams. We've got to be cohesive. Do you know cohesive? It's all about teams and tribes. That's what, that's what, God, that's what Jesus used. Teams and small groups. Teams and small groups. Teams and small groups. He was very intentional. He could only do 12. You really, for us humans, about five or six. We got about five or six touch points. We can't, we can't handle all of that. Five or six. Clear and consistent communication. Listen, Jesus couldn't even get his disciples to pray with him for an hour. I mean, he was talking to, hey, can you just pray over there? I'm going to pray over here, and I'll be right back. And we come there, and they're knocked out of sleep. Clear and constant communication. You know, you know Satan loves to work in miscommunication. And, and boy, God has blessed me so much with a, a wife that is English second language. And so if you think speaking to an English speaker is difficult, 
you try speaking to a non-English speaker and trying to get on the same page and how much it works inside of you to make sure you are on the same, we're saying the very same thing. Now, we walk away. We're saying this, right? Yes, we're saying this. Okay, so we want to do this. I'm going to do this, right? Yes, we're doing this. Okay. It's that difficult. And it's even, it's, it's almost that difficult English to English. Now, don't get some text going on and when there's no punctuation or anything or no smiley faces, <laughs> no emojis, boy... Some of them would call hot, and it was just a question. What did you say? I can't believe you said all this stuff. I didn't say that. Or, or your, 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 what is it called when your text it rewrites what you say? What is it? Autocorrect. Autocorrect. Boy, that'll really start messing some stuff up. Boy, it, it, it takes a lot of grace, a lot of humility, and boy, a lot of being made whole. And realize, you know what, what, they, what I think they said, they probably didn't even say that. that. That is a good practice to put in your heart. What, they, what I think they said, they didn't say that. They didn't mean it that way. We got we, to grow in, be, in becoming focused and present towards what God is doing in our church. Boy, we, we, we just got to be present and focused. We got to be present and focused. You know, I can be here and I'm not here. Usually we're not anywhere we actually are. We got so many things going on, we're rarely where we are. That's why I think that old song or saying, wherever you go, there you are. I think that person was lost. They, they were always off somewhere else. Like, hey, wherever you go, like, that's where you are. Boy, I tell you. It, ta- it takes a lot to become a place the unchurched love to come, to come to and to be a people that God can trust with his preciousness. It takes a lot. But that's what we want. We want a place that God, that God can trust us. His lost with, the unchurched, the hurting, the wounded. It starts with each one of us. That's why, this is why it's time for the saints to no longer come into church, but to actually come and be the church. And every person in this place is a saint. I know all of your hearts. And it's time for us to start being the church, inside and outside of the building. You can't build culture, you have to be culture. You can't build something that you, want, you aren't willing to be. It starts with each individual. It starts with me. We also got to eliminate, thank God it hadn't happened in this church, elimination of politics and religion. I talked with a pastor Friday night. We spoke. We were able to speak last Sunday night. Church of the Living God had a great time with about 10 other churches. We had some fun. And I invited one of the pastors and his wife over for dinner Friday night. He says, son, we've been fighting religion in Henderson County, Athens, Texas, for 20 years. You wouldn't believe all the things that the church is doing now that we set out to do. And boy, we got kicked back. We were a cult. We were this. We were that. He says, but now, he says, we've been pulling up stumps and pulling up rocks, and now it's fertile ground for you guys to come through. Boy, he was, he was just speaking life. He was speaking life. And one step towards developing a heart, of, a heart that's willing to serve the unchurched is to just find a love for God. Because yeah. when, we, truly, when we, tru- we say we love God, but when we truly love God, we start serving others. We start loving others. We, we realize we're better together. We can't do this on my own. I'm just better together. It's time to work in teams. It's time to work together. It's time to do something. Luke 5, 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents then over 99 who don't need to repent. More rejoicing in heaven. If we, want to, if we want to experience as saints the rejoicing in heaven, then it might be time 
for us to stop thinking about church and the old model and break some old ways of thinking. That's called bondage, by the way. Habits. And start moving into what God is actually wanting, a place where he can come in and rejoice because there's sinners that are actually getting lost. And he can trust us with sinners coming in from the world so that we can love them and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. Man. So to do that, we got to develop your closeness with God. Got to develop your closeness with God. Got to develop your character. And you got to develop your calling. Closeness, character, calling. When I get close to God, all of a sudden he starts putting others on my heart. And if others aren't on my heart, i got to know I must not be that close to God. When I get close to God, he starts working on my character. When I start getting close to people, he starts working on my character. And then the very thing that we want the most is our purpose. How come I haven't walked in it? How come I hang, I'm not hearing you, Lord? How come I, I'm pressing in, but I'm not getting anything? I'm pre- haven't quite started developing true closeness to him for his purposes. And whenever his purposes are the reason our heart is throbbing and beating, he'll start revealing our purposes. We go to him, what's my purpose? What about me? Bless me. Well, you're going to bless my people first. You start blessing my people, then I'm going to bless you. That's the heart of God. Acts 4.13 says this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Sometimes we got to realize it's okay to have not gone to theology, to Bible school, to theological seminary. It's okay just get close to Jesus. Spend a little time with him. Let him start speaking into your life about others and then just start walking that thing out. And here's the call. Here's the call. Here's the call right here. Find one or two people. Find one or two people. Start inviting them into your life. Next four to 12 months, I'm telling you, just step out. One to two people. Every week, every two weeks, whatever it is, hey, I can see... I can see some things going on. Can I walk this life out with you for a little bit? Can we just see what God does in this thing? I'm not perfect. I got stuff I'm working on. Can we work with each other for a little bit for four to 12 months? After this, I want you to go and do the same. Find one or two people. Can we do that? Find one or two people. Here's what I, here's what I really want. I want you to find one or two people, uh, at least one of them not of the same race. You really want to carry the heart of God Quit looking at the color of the shell because we're just spiritual people in physical, natural bodies having a a little natural experience. We are not physical people having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual people. And God uses all kinds of things, even a shell, to challenge the character that's in our hearts. Lastly, join a tribe. Join a tribe. You need some some time to somebody just walk in and pour, pour life on you for a little bit. Under that tent today, there's a tribe. Sign up. It's for you. It's for you. 2 Corinthians 5.15, I keep this on the front of my, my, my iPad. It says this, He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Do we know that Jesus died for us so that we quit living out of our souls? The very 
The very purpose he died is so that we'd actually live for him. The very purpose he died are the neighbors around us. The very purpose are the ones who have yet to come into this church or any church in Henderson County. When I say the church, I want the whole church. I, pass, I text seven pastors this morning, and I said, I'm praising God that I get to serve alongside you, and I'm thankful for all that he's doing in our church. You do know we're just a bunch of shepherds in one pasture. I told him it doesn't matter if the sheep come over here for a little while, they graze over there, and they go over here. If I'm stewarding well what God has given me, and that is just people in general, whatever the name is on the people, he will bring everything that we need in that time. And that's the same for you. If you're stewarding well what God has given you, he's going to bring everything that you need for the time and the season that you are in, but it's got to be with other people in mind because we're better together than we ever will be apart. Psalms 119.45, lastly, says, I will walk with you in complete freedom, for I seek to follow your every command. If I walk in his every command, freedom is a promise. And his command is to love one another, love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love one another as we love ourselves. And he loves the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I want to pray for you right now. Can we just develop a love for the heart of God? Father, I just thank you. I thank you because it's challenging, and I can feel it in my spirit that souls are being challenged because this is not what I'm used to, and I don't like it. Father, I just pray for grace and peace. I pray for strength. I pray for comfort. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for joy. I pray for peace. I pray for kindness. I pray for hearts to be changed, and I pray that people just start stepping out of their comfort zones, through the fear zone, into learning new things about themselves by opening their hearts to others. So, Father, we bless you in this house, and we bless you. We want to be a blessing. So, Father, help us to take our hearts off of us, our minds off of us, and put them on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>